Good morning. Good morning. I'm Reverend Angela Wells-Bean, and it's my privilege to serve as your Minister for Congregational Care. Whether you are worshiping with us here in the sanctuary or online or via podcast, we are so glad that you are with us on this Sunday morning. And my name is Dawson Taylor. I have the great privilege of serving as senior minister and coming back from vacation. So it's great to uh, be back, and I appreciate all of the extra effort on your behalf and others. We're glad you're back. A little more tan. I know, exactly, yeah. (laughs) Um, You going to do attendance? Yes, I'm supposed to do that. Sorry. Still on vacation a little bit. Um, I want to ask everyone who's here in the sanctuary to uh, find the registration pad and uh, please register your attendance and also make sure that everyone on the row has that same opportunity. And if you are worshiping with us virtually, we hope that you will uh, use the comments section uh, to let us know where you are uh, worshiping with us from so that we know how best to be in ministry together. And today after the service is our volunteer discovery day. For those of you who are worshiping with us in person, please do stay a few extra moments. Many of our boards and committees have tables set up in the gathering place and we'll have folks there to engage with you about ways that you can participate in their ministry. And if you're a seasonal resident and you're thinking, oh, there's nothing for me to do, you know, I'm going to be going back up north soon. There are ways to participate remotely, and you can be thinking about how you want to plug in when you come back in the fall or next year. Yeah, I'm grateful to our our lay leadership for um, not only thinking about this, but also really taking the lead, and of course, to Mark Carmen, our executive director, who's really the uh, behind the scenes doing so much of of that great work. That's right. Also want to remind you that after you go uh, through the gathering place and find out where you want to be in ministry, if you're interested in becoming a member of Naples United Church of Christ, we are uh, hosting a visitor reception in Nelson Hall, which uh, there's lots of signs directing you that way. There'll be some friendly faces and our membership and growth committee will be hosting that and Angela and I will swing by, some of our leadership will. It's a great place to get information not only about the church, but about the membership process. So we hope that you'll stop by there. And then this Thursday at seven uh, here at the church, we are hosting an evening with your pastors. It's a, just a really informal one-on-one time uh, where we have the opportunity to get to know one another and uh, to hear your stories and to share ours. It's a great uh, time. And so to sign up for an evening with your pastors, please uh, stop by the visitor reception or just give us a call in the church office and we'll get you all the details and information. And now as a mission-driven congregation, let us prepare our hearts and minds for worship. This is the season of turning, and to repent means to turn or return. We are called on this journey of Lent to turn our lives towards God, to turn away from all of those things which have harmed us and others. Let us return to God as we stand in body and spirit and join together in singing our processional hymn. And in the spirit of that great hymn of the church, I would invite you to join with me in the call, excuse me, in the invocation found in your bulletin. Let us pray together. God of mystery, we journey with Jesus this Lent in the certain hope that you will recreate our world so that all people will live in peace and justice. Call us out of the wilderness of apathy and help us to reach out to those who do not know hope or love. Hear the longings of our hearts as we gather for worship 
and send the presence of your Holy Spirit to dwell with us once again. Amen. Indeed, as we gather for worship this morning, we know that while we cannot single-handedly or even collectively fix all the world's problems and perhaps even all of the challenges we face in our community, we know that we are connected to the one who hears our prayers, who hears the cries of our hearts. And so in that spirit, will you join your hearts with mine in prayer? Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we enter this place this day just as we are, knowing that you meet us here and knowing that your grace was here before we even arrived. And we ask, O oh God, that as we gather for worship, as we seek to release all that keeps us from you, being mindful in this season of Lent, the journey, the calling, and the sacrifice that Jesus invites us to, that it is in this season where we are invited to quiet our hearts and our minds, to reflect on your unending love. As we gather in this community, we are mindful of those who have come before us, who have prepared a place for us. And as we acknowledge their faithfulness, it is our fervent prayer that we too may be found faithful Loving God, we bring also the concerns of our hearts, those that we have expressed in words and those that we have kept quiet. And so we ask that you would be with those concerns, that you would remind us that you are the God of all of life. And we are mindful of war, of those who have been displaced. And we acknowledge our feelings of inadequacy to somehow fix it all. And yet that is when our faith comes alive in you. And it is in that faith that we gather our hearts and our voices as we remember the journey of Jesus who taught us justice and peace, but also taught us how to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This morning's scripture reading comes from the gospel according to Luke, the 13th chapter. And again, to remind you, you're more than welcome to follow along as the scripture is printed in your bulletin. Hear now what God would say to you. At that very time, there were some present who told Jesus about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Jesus asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then Jesus told them this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, see here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? The gardener replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig round it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. May our still speaking God bless to us the hearing of these ancient words. Let us pray. O God, we come to you in prayer this morning with open minds and hope and hearts so that we each might receive what we need to hear from your holy word. And I take a moment of personal privilege to ask you to help me get out of my own way so that I might be a conduit of your good news to these beloved saints this morning. Amen. I realize that I'm going to share some historical information with you that all happened before I was born. But since some of you are of a different generation, these are probably familiar stories to you, so I ask you to bear with me. In the 1960s, Alabama Governor George Wallace was one of the most powerful and one of the most racist men in the United States. It was under his leadership that the attacks happened on Bloody Sunday as civil rights leaders were marching from Selma to Montgomery, Alabama. George Wallace said the famous line, segregation now, segregation tomorrow, and segregation forever. At the University of Alabama, he stood in the doorway and blocked the entrance of the school's first two black students 
They had already registered for classes and were simply trying to enter the auditorium. In 1972, Wallace and Congressman Shirley Chisholm ran for president of the United States. Neither of them won. But on May 15th of that same year, during his presidential campaign, George Wallace was shot five times on the campaign trail and one of the bullets lodged in his spine. His opponent, Chisholm, decided to suspend her presidential campaign so that she could visit him in the hospital. A black woman, the first black person to run for president, paused her campaign to visit her racist, vitriolic political opponent. She got a lot of pushback from her campaign staff, and this is what she told them about her decision. She said, sometimes we have to remember we are all human beings, and I may be able to teach him something, to help him regain his humanity, to maybe open his eyes, to make him see something that he has not seen. So you know that you always have to be optimistic that people can change, and you can change, and that one act of kindness may make all the difference in the world. In that moment, in that hospital room, she planted a seed of love which germinated and slowly began to change George Wallace's heart. Seven years later, he rolled in his wheelchair into a predominantly black church, and this is what he said to the congregation. I have learned what suffering means in a way that I thought was impossible. I think I can understand something of the pain that black people have come to endure. I know I contributed to that pain, and I can only ask for your forgiveness. As Wallace was leaving the church, the congregation began to sing in unison the hymn, Amazing Grace. That was an appropriate hymn. For those of you who don't know, it was written by John Newton, and he was a slave trader and had a conversion experience. Newton was eventually ordained in the Church of England and became an abolitionist. The hymn, Amazing Grace, is his spiritual autobiography, the story of his redemption in verse. When Wallace was elected governor again of Alabama, he announced that he was a born-again Christian, and he apologized to black civil rights leaders for his past actions as a segregationist. He said that while he had once sought power and glory, he realized he needed to seek love and forgiveness. It was only fitting for the congregation to sing that hymn as Wallace exited the church because his story was so similar to Newton's. During Wallace's term in the 1980s, he appointed a record number of black Americans to state positions, including for the first time, two as members of the same cabinet. And as for his stand in the schoolhouse door, he said, I was wrong. Those days are over and they ought to be over. And he publicly asked for forgiveness from the black community. This is what it means to repent. Repent actually comes from the Hebrew word, which means to turn back towards God, to return to a life in the presence of God centered in God. 
Wallace realized the gravity of his sins, the error of his ways, and devoted the remainder of his life to righting his wrongs. Like a flower turning towards the sun, he turned back towards God. And we also have Shirley Chisholm. This woman who believed in him, who saw potential in him, who took a risk and planted a seed, and she had no idea if it would germinate. In today's story from the Gospel of Luke, we hear a confusing parable about Jesus and a fig tree. The story goes that the tree was producing no figs and it was taking up valuable land in a vineyard. And so the vineyard owner told the gardener, I have no use for this tree, cut it down. And the gardener comes to the tree's defense and boldly tells his boss, I really don't think we should do that. Well, he actually said, please, let's leave it alone for one year. I will tend to it. I will fertilize it. And if it doesn't bear fruit next year, then we will cut it down. The traditional interpretation of this story is that God is the vineyard owner and Jesus is the gardener who intervenes on our behalf and we are the poor fig trees producing no fruit. The problem with this is that it doesn't align with the God of the rest of the Gospel of Luke. This is a God who welcomes God's wayward son, the God who sweeps the floor looking for the last gold coin, the God who finds the lost sheep. This God wouldn't cut us down and throw us out for being unfaithful. So how do we reconcile the God of Luke's gospel? with this vineyard owner who comes off as a cutthroat jerk. Well, God and Jesus foil each other here. God puts the pressure on us. God puts the fire under us to change our ways. God says, repent now. While Jesus is gracious and tells God, give the fig tree one more chance. And God says, but I need that land to be fertile, to be used on fertile trees. And Jesus says, she had a bad season. He didn't have the nutrients he needed. They weren't caring for themselves. They were dehydrated. But with a few improvements and a little bit of fertilizer, they will bear spiritual fruit and be faithful once again. We don't hear God reply to Jesus in this story, but I imagine God responded with, okay, One more chance. In this story, we are reminded that we have one more chance to get it right. And God agrees, yes, you have another chance, but change your behaviors now. Waste no time. This story includes an honest sense of urgency. God needs us to be faithful disciples now. The world needs our transformative love and generosity now. There's no time to waste Love is at stake. Justice is at stake. The fate of humanity is at stake. God is saying, get it right now before you people destroy each other for good. God's grace doesn't give us carte blanche to act however we want because we'll always get another chance. God's grace doesn't mean a casual indulgence of or indifference to our behaviors. God's grace means, yes, one more chance and holds us accountable to get it right that next time. This parable helps us place God's judgment and God's grace into a larger perspective. For me, sometimes it feels like there are two kinds of Christians in the world. You've got the one kind of Christian who thinks God is punitive and judgmental, and that's how I need to be. 
But I'm sure we've all met Christians like that. And then you have Christians who think, well, God is unconditionally loving and forgiving, so I can ask, behave however I want because all I got to do is ask for God's forgiveness. God is both gracious and judgmental, gracious when we fall short and holding us accountable, expecting us to do better because God knows we can be better. Each day is filled with God's grace like the gardener offering us forgiveness when we don't produce those spiritual fruits. And each day is filled with God's judgment like the vineyard owner expecting us to bear better fruit. And we are to be both repentant and renewing, repentant when we aren't faithful followers of Christ and committed to renewing our lives in Christ. George Wallace knew God's grace and God's judgment. He realized that he had erred in a lot of ways throughout the course of his life, and he worked hard in the latter part of his life to right those wrongs. He made public declarations of apology. He appointed people of color to powerful positions, and he knew he had been bearing rotten fruit for decades. But through the forming of a relationship with our almighty vineyard owner and fertilizing his ground with humility and repentance, he was able to bear sweet fruit towards the end of his life. And Shirley Chisholm saw that tree bearing rotten fruit and she saw his potential. She was the gardener as she told her staffers, one more season, give him one more season, people can change. Whenever we are like the fig tree bearing no fruit, remember Christ is the gardener always giving us one more chance. And God is the vineyard owner reminding us the time is now. Repent now. Turn back towards God now. The world needs our spiritual fruits now. Friends, we are human and we all fall short and that is okay But what is important is when that happens, to repent and to return to God so that next time we get it right. And may you know that you are a beloved child of God. You are created in God's image. And I pray that you go from this sacred place in peace. Amen.